Matt Schaff and Jared Smola of DraftSharks.com here to preview week 13 of the fantasy football season. And Jared, probably the biggest story of week 13 is a guy that we just lost a couple days ago. Jonathan Taylor, thumb surgery, expected to miss two to three games. Uh, we'll see exactly when he returns. But that means Zach Moss really comes back into our lives. And just to kind of start putting this in perspective, for the season, Jonathan Taylor is averaging 14.4 PPR points per game. Zach Moss is still at 13 and a half, despite taking a backseat, a clear backseat in that backfield over the past three games. Jonathan Taylor took over the lead. Before that, Zach Moss is averaging even more PPR points per game than Taylor. 17.6 up until that point. That'd be RB6 right now. So what do we do with Zach Moss this week and next? Yeah, I mean, Zach Moss is role early in the season was better than anything Jonathan Taylor was getting since he returned, right? Because you know, JT was still seeding some work to Zach Moss. Zach Moss, those three weeks, weeks two, three, and four, played 85% of the Colts offensive snaps, got 22, 33, and 19 opportunities. Um, he finished two of those weeks as a top 10 fantasy running back. He does get you know a tough on-paper matchup this week against Tennessee, but he smoked Tennessee in week five, that first game Jonathan Taylor returned. You know, if you remember, Zach Moss still remained like the clear lead guy in that game. 23 carries, 165 yards, two touchdowns. I, I still respect Tennessee's run defense. I don't think it's an ideal matchup for, for Moss. Moss like, I, I don't, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know how you don't don't play the guy based on the volume you think he's going to get. Shane Steichen, by the way, said earlier this week, too, he basically confirmed that, you know, Zach Moss is going to step back into this workhorse role without JT, which, you know, we all expect because the only other option on the team now is Trey Sermon. We'll get to Kyron Williams in a bit, but Zach Moss might be the single most surprising thing of this fantasy season, like that Zach Moss at any point would be, uh, <laughs> no, you can't sit Zach Moss player. I, it's, I, it's tough to get over, but like you said that first meeting with Tennessee was his biggest game of the season so far. So it doesn't mean he's going to necessarily deliver this time. And Tennessee is back up to second in rush defense DVOA, but you have to start him at this point. We know he's dominating backfield. We know it worked out last time. Easy start this week, probably an even easier start next week against the Bengals in week 14. Yeah. And then we'll see where Jonathan Taylor's at. Yeah, for sure. We can roll right into Travis Etienne now because he gets the Bengals this week. Um, take, taking your job again and doing the, transitions not as not as well as you do but Travis Etienne gets his Bengals defense um, which just made the Steelers look good has people excited about the Steelers offense which you know we'll get to them later as well but I, I think their strong offensive output relatively strong offensive output last week was just as much to do with this Bengals defense as the Steelers you know new look offense but Cincinnati you know for Etienne specifically 29th and run defense DVOA 18th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs, allowing 5.0 yards per carry. That's second worst in the NFL. The reason I like this matchup for ETN as well is the Bengals have allowed the third highest rate of 15 plus yard runs. That's kind of where they've struggled is giving up these explosive runs. And we kind of know that's what Travis ETN's game is built on. So it's been a, a rough stretch for ETN. He stopped scoring touchdowns. The efficiency has not been good, um, but I think this is an awesome bounce back spot at home for Cincinnati. The Bengals are eight and a half point favorites. You know, Jake Browning is, is not going to put up a fight here. So that there should be positive game script. And I think, you know, ETN should get 20 plus touches in this game. 
Yeah, I don't think you really have to make a case for Travis Etienne starting for pretty much anybody this week. The matchup's terrific. His usage has been terrific all season. This probably wouldn't even have made the rundown for the show, but I got on our Discord a question from somebody saying, why is DS so high on Travis Etienne this week? He's sitting second in our PPR rankings at running back. And I mean, rather than just give him the answer, I was like, oh, I'll take this to the guy who's actually driving our projections and see exactly why Travis Etienne's so high this week. And really, you know, it's the matchup. I don't think these Bengals have a chance of actually keeping up with Jacksonville. So the Jags should be able to run the ball as much as they want to in this one. My one question on that front is how much these Jags want to run the ball right now. Trevor Lawrence is healthier Travis Etienne's had a long season with a lot of touches and his playing time has come down over the past three weeks, not to like a worrisome degree, probably to a better degree for him sustaining his health and productivity the rest of the way. But it's at least worth noting he's been down below 70% snap share in each of the past three games after being up above 80 for a lot of the season hasn't really meant a big difference in touches. I'm not expecting them to give a significant amount of his work to Dearness Johnson, but it's one of the slight negatives that it's really more of a worth noting negative because he's so high in scoring and ranking mm-hmm. week. I think beyond this week, there are other things to be aware of that are negatives for ETN. He has run well this year, and you can tell that by the number of missed tackles he's forcing. Only Christian McCaffrey has forced more on runs than Travis ETN this year. The Jacksonville offensive line has been horrible, though, and it is limiting ETN's efficiency. You wouldn't know it because of how many touches he gets every week, but Jacksonville's 30th in adjusted line yards, 31st in PFF run blocking grade, and now they lose left tackle Cam Robinson, who has not graded well as a run blocker this year, but his backup's not likely to be better than he is. (laughs) Travis ETN's also 34th among 46 qualifying running backs in rush yards over expected. He's 33rd in yards after contact per attempt among 60 running backs with 40 plus carries. He's also tied for just 19th in expected rushing touchdowns. Jared, that number surprised me the most because he's done well with touchdowns, fifth in actual rushing TDs. You look at the offense, it's been going well. You just think, ah, he's as good a bet for a touchdown as anybody. Tied for 19th means he hasn't gotten as many opportunities near the goal line as some other running backs. And that offensive line is going to continue holding him back if he does get opportunities in that range going forward. Yeah. He went in that, that uh touchdown binge, like in the middle of the season. And again, it's kind of got cold in that department. So we've already kind of seen the regression hit in terms of the touchdown scoring. He, you know, he is still getting pretty much all the work near the goal. line. I think even last week he had multiple chances from near the goal line, wasn't able to score in any of those. So again, we're kind of seeing that regression hit already again t- to me this week. It's about, it's about the matchup. It's about a guy who we, is a pretty good bet for 20 plus touches as a big home favorite. I do think all those things you mentioned are definitely a concern for ETN beyond this week where the schedule gets a, quite a bit tougher Cleveland, Baltimore, Tampa Bay, the following three weeks, ETN does get Carolina, which is one of the best running back matchups in week 17. So if you get to your fantasy championship with ETN, he could definitely help you win it. But um, I do think we're probably looking at a guy who's going to be ranked, you know, closer to the bottom of RB1 territory for these next three weeks. Travis ETN is one of the players that we highlighted in our final trade targets article of the season that posted Wednesday night on DraftSharks.com. You can check that out for more of really what makes him a potential sell if your trade deadline has not passed yet. 
I'd say Travis Etienne's even a potential dynasty sell at this point. Again, that depends some on what you're trying to do this year, and it always depends on what you're getting back. He's not somebody that I think is going to crash, but I think there's a chance that maybe Travis Etienne going forward either doesn't get quite as much work as he did this year, and that brings the production down, or his perceived ability might be inflated a bit by how much work he's getting and that, um, you know, scoring touchdowns above expected in the middle of the season. It's at least somebody that I'm looking at and thinking, oh, maybe I trade Travis Etienne for multiple, you know, team building pieces that can help me longer term than what Travis Etienne might do next year for me. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I think that makes sense. We will have a new dynasty trade targets on the way on draftsharks.com with tips on trading for rookie picks. If you're out of contention, who to send those picks away for if you're chasing a title this season. Herms also has his latest dynasty spotlight focused on some more general strategy tips. You want to check that one out for how to look at your league and determine player trade values. And of course, our trade navigator is always ready. It includes the trade calculator to make sure that you're making the right moves. It'll let you know the roster impact, both the rest of this year and beyond for your dynasty leagues. Let's move on now, Jared, to Jordan Love, who uh, three weeks ago, I guess probably less than that, was somebody that I would prefer to make fun of rather than start. And now... I, Maybe it's time to flip that. Should we believe in Jordan Love and his wide receivers going forward? Yeah, maybe. He's been really good the last four weeks now. 65% completion rate, eight yards per attempt, eight touchdowns versus two interceptions. I mean, we're still talking about a guy who's made, I, I believe, you know, fewer than like a, a season's worth of, of NFL starts. So definitely leads a light on for Love. I think at this point, he's done enough to be the Packers starter next season. You know, I mean, they're not going to have a top five pick in the draft. They're not going to be able to get one of these elite quarterback prospects. I think it's more likely the not that love gets another crack. So that's something to, you know, think about for dynasty as well, especially super flex leagues. I think, you know, love has plenty of value there for this week in particular. I believe in the chiefs pass defense more than I believe in Jordan love. The chiefs are third in pass yards allowed third in yards per pass attempt allowed third in pass defense DVOA. They're seventh in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. They're eighth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. So I think there are spots the rest of the way where Love could be, you know, a quarterback one spot starter or at least an option. I don't think this week is one of them. And then the wide receivers will see. I mean, I think, you know, Jaden Reed and Christian Watson right now do sit in like wide receiver three range in our rankings. I want to see about Dontavian Wicks. I actually, I think he, he does matter to these guys. He of course missed that Thanksgiving game. And we saw Christian Watson set a season high in route rate. We saw Jaden Reed post his second highest route rate of the season. I do think Dontavian Wicks being out, was a big part of that. Wicks did put in a limited practice on Wednesday. He's off the injury report with his concussion. So he's cleared concussion protocol. It's just a knee issue now that, that has some iffy for this game. So we'll we'll see about that. Um, but again, I, I think this is a game you'll probably see a step back from the Packers passing game in particular. I wouldn't panic if that's the case. Again, I think it's just going to be this Chiefs pass defense is, is just really good. Yeah, I'm not willing to bet on the Packers passing game in this matchup, but we do have six teams on by. You won't find any of those guys ranked high, but you just mentioned the wide receivers are potentially in play. Jordan Love might be in play depending on what else you have going on at quarterback. And I will say I'm at least open to the possibility that the Packers will be fine in what's been a tough matchup. You know, a couple weeks ago, I just said avoid Jordan Love in this spot. I'm at least... Now willing to say, man, maybe he works out okay. Like you alluded to, I'm much more interested in Jordan Love and his wideouts next week at the Giants, the week after that against the Bucks. Those are really the two spots that I think will tell us 
if we can use any of them over the final two fantasy weeks, because week 16, they're at the Panthers. And, you know, we've been saying all season, that's not a defense that should scare you, but I mean, it's late in the season and they're the fifth worst scoring matchup for quarterbacks. They're the second worst scoring matchup for wide receivers. They played the Cowboys recently and limited that passing game in scoring. So it's a matchup to take seriously. And we'll see over these next three weeks um, how usable the Packers are. And then week 17 at the Vikings is an interesting one that I think we'll have to wait until later to really judge because that Vikings defense has gotten better lately. So I think for both the Packers offense and Vikings D we'll have to see over these next three weeks before we know what to do. Yeah, sure. That Vikings game is at least in Minnesota. So no weather concerns. That would be nice. I do think these, the, the Giants matchup and the Bucks matchup, especially week 15 is, is an, is an excellent spot for the, the Packers passing game. And I will say it's probably going to be easier to bet on either Christian Watson or Jaden Reed at the wide receiver three, four level than it will be sure. to trust Jordan love as, you know, the guy at quarterback for you. For sure. Agreed. Jordan Love is highlighted, however, among this week's Dynasty Risers and Fallers on DraftSharks.com. So you can check out that quick hitting article just to see guys that have moved up or down our Dynasty rankings recently. The Steelers offense looks like one that might be moving guys up or down the Dynasty rankings. Let's hope for up. But let's hope, let's see if we have them inflated after that one week. You got to it a little bit talking about the Bengals matchup. Yeah. Tell us more about what happened with the Steelers offense in that first game after they fired Matt Canada. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you've heard the stat by now, but 421 yards of total offense for the Steelers last week, which they did, they did not get to 400 total yards of offense in any of Matt Canada's 45 games, which I hadn't realized that's an amazing stat because 400 yards, like it's, it's nice, but it's not like, you know, it's incredible. Not magical. Performance. They, they did it zero times out of 45 games with Matt Canada, which is insane. So, I mean, this is definitely an upgrade, right? I mean, I think, again, I do think the Bengals defense was a lot of this, but I do think it's likely the Pittsburgh's offense is going to be better going forward than it was under Canada. This was still though a slow paced, run heavy offense. The Steelers last week, you know, just in week 12 were 25th in neutral pass rate and they were 28th in pace, you know, in seconds per play. So they were playing slow. They were leaning on the run. That's obviously good news for Najee Harris and, and Jalen Warren. Um, and, and their, their usage did not really change much in this first game under the new offensive coordinators. You still had um, Najee Harris lead the way with 15 carries to Jalen Warren's 13. You had Jalen Warren out target Najee Harris three zero. So I still think, you know, these guys are kind of in their roles. They're kind of got to you know, split stuff down the middle for the most part. But again, in this run heavy offense at this point, I think, you know, both Harris and Warner are looking like RB two, RB three types that you can use on a weekly basis. Still not super excited about the passing game. I think Pat Fryermuth is obviously the big question here. The big topic here after his just massive game out of nowhere. It's another case where I think the, Bengals defense had a lot to do with it, right? Because the Bengals are now dead last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. They're 30th in tight end coverage DVOA. Pat Frymuth even said after the game that, like, you know, they kind of game plan for him to be a big part of this this attack because because of this Bengals defense and kind of the way they they cover. We'll see on Frymuth. I mean, this is a guy who he finished tight end 13 and tight end seven in his first two NFL seasons in PPR points. So it's not like this guy came out of nowhere. It's not like he's a good player. I'm still skeptical though that he's gonna be like 
a guy we can count on as a weekly fantasy starter, just because this is going to you know still be a, a pretty slow paced run heavy offense with a couple wide receivers who are still going to demand targets. So um, Frymuth does, he does sit in tight end one territory in our rankings this week. I think a lot of that is because there's six teams on by it's a, it's a, it's a solid matchup for Frymuth. The Cardinals have not been bad against tight ends, but it's just a bad defense in general. So there's you know, potential for the Steelers offense to be pretty, uh, you know, productive again this week. I think it's a big win for Pat Fryermuth that he could at least be game planned for in this that they threw over the middle of the field, which they have not done nearly enough until getting rid of the failed play caller that they just did. They did take advantage of a Bengals defense that's weak and young at safety. The Cardinals aren't good at much on defense, but they are much more experienced at safety. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's a less good game for Pat Fryermuth here. But you know, you mentioned he's already in tight end one territory. It's a big win because before last weekend, I wasn't sure that Pat Fryermuth would matter the rest of this fantasy season. He at least matters now. And it's not, it doesn't take a whole lot to get into tight end one territory at a time when we're deciding every week whether we should start Logan Thomas or Dalton Schultz. So Pat Fryermuth should be on a roster in most leagues at this point. He is at least within the weekly starter conversation. And we'll see exactly what the offense has. It was certainly plenty matchup against Cincinnati, which was already meh on defense and is actually trending down by the numbers over the past three weeks. It was also just the fourth best overall weekly offensive DVOA rating for the Steelers this season. Third best DVO rating for the pass offense, which is really what we were looking for the most. Kenny Pickett's second best single game passing yardage total of his career so far. Tied for his second best single game completion rate third best yards per attempt, second best passer rating, and the second best PFF passing grade in the league for week 12. So undeniably positive. We'll see where they go from here. We'll try to make sure that we don't overrate anything that happened in that individual game. Yeah, It was also one of Pickett's bigger average depth of throw games of the season, 8.2 yards versus his uh, season long average of 7.3 yards. So we did see some, some more downfield throwing, which we like. So again, Steelers offense trending up. I like it more. I just don't want to overrate it, um, especially on the passing side, because I don't think you're going to get big, big passing volume out of this out of this offense going forward. Just like Pat Fryermuth, we weren't sure it was going to matter the rest of the way. Now it looks like it can at least matter the rest of the way. On the other side of that one was the Bengals, who I'm not sure that they're going to matter on offense. And I think, Jared, the biggest question is how it affects Jamar Chase, because I'm not sure how many other Bengals were truly interested in. I mean, Joe Mixon's going to be in the mix just because he's the backfield leader and he's going to get touches and you're going to have to decide. He's obviously taken a big hit with the offense downgrading at quarterback, but Jamar chase is the bigger question. And I think both where we rank him and where the market ranks him this week suggests that people don't want to be too pessimistic on him. I wonder though, if we should be more pessimistic than we are at the moment. It was mostly bad for chase last week, a little bit. So I'll start with the, the one good thing, which really surprised me. The Bengals were still second in pass rate over expected last week in, in the NFL. So I don't know. I don't know if Zach Taylor uh, didn't realize yet that he, he still doesn't, you know, he doesn't have Joe Burrow or what um, I, I would not be going that pass heavy with Drake Browning, but they did, which is, you know, obviously good news for Jamar chase. Now the bad Jake Browning was, as bad as, as expected. Um, he was 31st in PFF passing grade for the week. The other problem here for Jamar Chase, he saw six targets last week for a 23% target share. 
Even if you go back to week 11, when Jake Browning, you know, entered for Joe Burrow, Chase saw just 21% of Browning's targets in that game. 21, 23% target. It's not, it's not a horrible number, but like, you know, you want Jamar Chase up at like 30%, which is where he was with Joe Burrow. And if I'm Jake Browning, I'm targeting Jamar Chase on, you know, a third of my passes if I, if I, you know, can help it at all. So that needs to change. Like if Chase is only going to be getting, you know, target shares in the low twenties from Jake Browning, you know, he's going to struggle for, you know, more than wide receiver value, wide receiver three value. I think, I mean, again, I, I, I keep comparing this to the Garrett Wilson situation because I think it's similar, right? Super talented wide receivers playing with bad quarterbacks. At least Garrett Wilson is getting 30% target shares every week, is getting double digit targets every week. If Jamar Chase can you know do that, he can he can survive as a wide receiver too. But um if the target shares don't improve again, I think I think he's gonna be more like a wide receiver three the rest of the way. I've always been skeptical of Zach Taylor. I remain skeptical of Zach Taylor. Like if you have a first time quarterback in there and you keep throwing the ball. Wouldn't you be thinking we got to design a bunch of these plays for Jamar Chase, especially with T Higgins out? I mean, it's Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and a bunch of dudes that don't exist in reality. Trenton Irwin and Charlie Jones and other made up characters. How do you not throw 30 plus percent of your passes toward Jamar Chase? You know, unless he's triple covered on every play, which should leave somebody open somewhere else. Jake Browning, if you look at the traditional numbers, he completed 73% of his passes for 8.7 yards per attempt. It looked like He's okay. If you go by those numbers, he lucked out on one long pass to Jamar Chase because it was a tipped ball short that Chase got and took 31 yards downfield. So that boosted everybody's numbers. Overall, Browning had a 5.6 yard A dot, which is not only down from Joe Burrow's season number, but down further versus Joe Burrow's most recent games before his injury. So we get a worse quarterback, we get shorter passes, and we get not enough target share going to the clear lead guy on offense. I think it all adds up to make me want to get rid of Chase if I can right now for anything really that's helpful, especially because I'm not worried about what I might miss out on if Chase ends up being okay. I think his upside case is that he's Garrett Wilson the rest of the way. Garrett Wilson's yeah. not winning anybody a fantasy championship this year. Yeah, I will say the schedule is going to help chase for the most part here um you know jacksonville indianapolis minnesota pittsburgh his next four three of those games jacksonville minnesota and pittsburgh are green matchups on our um strength of schedule page which means you know they're 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 top 10 wide receiver matchups indianapolis is kind of a, a neutral matchup but it's definitely you know not a scary secondary so the next four spots are good for chase he does get kansas city in week 17 which is a, a horrible spot we've seen uh, legerius need shut down a bunch of big name wide receivers this season i'm sure he'll be in shadow coverage on chase in that game so week 17 is going to be a problem but you know these, these next four matchups at least will definitely benefit chase matchups might be a problem for kyron williams the rest of the way but jared he came off ir looking like a must start stud somebody that's Almost has to be in your lineup. Obviously, it depends on who else you have. I'm sure there are some teams out there that, that can afford to sit Kyron Williams at times. But, you know, you highlighted him in your usage takeaways article. He got the work that he was getting before, including a season high tying six catches. And that's the particular stat that I think can guard him against tough spots against Cleveland and Baltimore uh, these next mm -hmm. two games. Yeah, the receiving production has been up and down for Kyron Williams. And I think... Um... Cooper Cup's health has had a lot to do with that. Kyron had some big pass catching games early in the season before Cup returned. Last week, Cup played in air quotes, but he tweaked 
his other ankle. He hurt his other ankle on his first catch of the game and then just did not look like himself the rest of the way. So I think that helped Kyron's pass catching stuff. But um, I mean, that's really just a bonus. You mean, always going to get the rushing stuff at this point. Kyron's playing time was actually down a bit from where it was early in the season. He was also pulled, though, for the final eight minutes of, of that game last week. So, it was, you know, it was a blowout win for the Cardinals. Prior to that, you had Kyron get 16 of the 28 running back carries. So, you know, the carry split between Kyron Williams and Royce Freeman was not as close as the final numbers make it look. Kyron obviously, you know, finished RB1 on the week last week. He is now finished as a top four PPR running back in four of his last six games now. So, I mean, the, the dude the dude is just crushing. I'm not sure how you, you could bench him, like you said, unless you're totally stacked at running back. Even in these tough matchups the next two weeks against Cleveland and Baltimore, I think he's you know going to be a you know lower-end RB1. He still has positive matchups against Washington in Week 15. He gets the Giants in Week 17. So, you know, Kyron Williams could be a fantasy championship winner, which you know, would have sounded crazy four months ago, but, you know, that's that's where we are at this point. What a time to be alive. And I'm I'm especially not worried about him against Cleveland because I don't think the Browns can score enough to take the running game out of that one so they can just give Kyron yeah. Williams the ball, even if he's averaging 3.1 per carry in that one. Surprisingly, given who the players are here, the wide receivers are the bigger question mark. The passing game is the question mark with the Rams. And that's because Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua have not been giving us numbers lately. Matthew Stafford rebounded in this last game, gave us four touchdown passes, none of them to those wideouts, two to Tyler Higby. Cooper Cup is clearly not at full strength. He put in a full practice Wednesday. You mentioned he tweaked an ankle last time out. So it's not like we have to worry about him not playing or anything, but he's clearly short of full strength. And then one other factor on his front, Matt Harmon tweeted this out, the percentage of Cooper Cup targets that have come on designed plays, like plays that are meant to target Cooper Cup, the percentage of his targets that have come on those plays in 2021, it was 12.3%. 2022, it was 23.7%. This year, it's 4.2%. So the Rams aren't trying as hard to get Cooper Cup the ball. That's one of the issues. Another is him not being fully healthy. And, you know, combined, it's just not anywhere close to the Cooper Cup we got over the previous two years. Yeah, and I would assume Harmon's numbers are omitting the games Cup missed. But that, that again, speaks to I, I, I don't think he's healthy. Because I think if Cooper Cup's healthy, the Rams are going to design you know plays to get the ball in his hand, even if the number maybe declines a little bit because of the emergence of, of Puka Nakua and because of the emergence of Kyron Williams. I still don't think it'd be 4% if Cooper Cup was healthy. But um, yeah, I mean, at this point, Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup are losing you fantasy games. Puka Nakua has finished outside the top 50 wide receivers and PPR points in four of his last six games. Cooper Cup has been wide receiver 49 or worse in five straight games. Part of this, and we've talked about this in the past, is the Rams just going run heavy, surprisingly. Um, last week, the Rams threw on just 50% of their passes. They're at a 52% pass rate since week six, which is right near the bottom of the league. Matt Stafford averaging just 29.5 pass attempts per game over that span, so there's just not a ton to go around. And then you have Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua's efficiency is just way down. For Cup, it's down versus what he did over the previous two seasons. I mean, from 2021 to 2022, Cup caught 76% of his targets at 9.5 yards per target. This year, he's at a 53% catch rate and just 7.7 yards per target. Then even Puka Nakua, I think he's been hindered by some injuries too. He's been on the injury report with shoulder and knee issues over the past month or so. 
you look at his efficiency, Pukunakua, 9.1 yards per target over the first five games of this season, just 7.3 yards per target over the last six. So I think I think injuries and pass volume declining has you know, has really hurt both of these wideouts. Yeah, I, to me, they're both in wide receiver three territory, not anybody that I'm excited about. And the whole situation makes Matthew Stafford less attractive. You know, like I said, he's coming off the four touchdown passes. I'm going to look at the passing yardage for that one, as well as his production before that, more than the four TD passes, as well as playing against Arizona. Yeah. Um, and he's not somebody that's really factoring in for me going forward. Deeper league, you know, maybe he is but certainly not somebody that I'm trying to start. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about Stafford as a positive touchdown regression candidate and, you know, it, it hit, it hit that one week. I, I wouldn't um, you know, expect that type of touchdown production going forward. Week 14 streaming defenses. We're talking about going forward. We're not just looking at this week, but beyond, if you want to get in front of your league and pick up next week's good streaming defense, Jared, who is it? Yeah, this continues to be, one of the easiest seasons ever, I think, for streaming defense because there's just so many bad quarterbacks out there. You just pick up the defense starting one of these crappy quarterbacks. So we get the Packers against Tommy DeVito, who, you know, again, played pretty well last week. They still scored just 10 points. DeVito took another six sacks against the Patriots last week. He's at a 21% sack rate on the season. One of every five times DeVito drops back, it results in a sack. So I think the Packers are in play. Um, the Texans get whatever quarterback the Jets are throwing out there next week. So I think they're a decent enough option. And then the um, Colts get Jake Browning. So I think, you know, those are kind of the three okay defenses that are going to be solid week 14 spots. there, just because of the quarterbacks they're facing. Yep. And green Bay is rostered in only 16% of Yahoo leagues right now. Houston is rostered in only 12% of Yahoo leagues at the moment. So if you do want to get ahead, go ahead and grab either of those. They are probably available in your league. And this is the time of year, as we said before, that you can go ahead and drop somebody on your bench. That's not likely to help you the rest of the way and stash that second defense. If you have one that you don't want to play next week, it doesn't mean go ahead yeah. and play them ahead of your good performing defense whose matchup is fine next week. So certainly use your judgment on whether to pick up a different one and who to play in any given week. Yeah. And and know your league too, because you know, if, you, if you go to your waiver wire every week and you see like three or four solid streaming defenses available, like, you know, maybe you don't need to use that second bench spot for a defense, but if you're in a, you know, a tighter league where more of these defenses are owned and the waiver wire is more barren, then it, it, I, it, I agree. It's definitely worth um, stashing that second defense at this point. Yeah. And if all three Packers, Texans and Colts are available, then, you know, there's less pressure for you right. to go grab any one of them right now for more streaming defense options for this week and the week ahead. You can head to DraftSharks.com. You can see not only our week 13 rankings, but our week 14 rankings are already available as well. And of course, the free agent finder syncs directly to your league so it can tell who is specifically available to you compare those players with what's already on your roster and, you know, just signal what you need to go after, whether it's at defense or any other position of need DS insiders know, and will tell you that we are 100% focused on trying to help you not only win this week, but win your season. 